I hope you come hungry for the Word of God. This is not ordinary bread. Again, thank you for fixing the leak for us, Brother Beaton. You and those men that, and great men of God and ladies and for cleaning up and the flowers you planted, ladies. Thank you so much. And the children giving out tracts. Thank you all for a great job. We salute you in Christ. Praise God. And, and you that try to teach an old dog new tricks on computer, may God have mercy on you. Amen. But I still got my card in case you lost yours. Uh, anybody got their card? Where is it? On my door. On my door. Okay. For the card church. <laughs> We're in one acorn. Praise the Lord. Just checking you out. Amen. But we're going to turn to Ephesians. I mean, First Corinthians, rather. Church, it's going to be one of the best Bible study you've ever had. Not because I'm teaching it, but because it is our foundation. I believe we're not too far away from home. I believe we're just about to kiss the door. I believe we are. And as the day grow closer, we should know where we are and who we are and not feel inferior to anything else outside of us. Praise God. Praise God. Chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians and verse 11. Hallelujah. Thank God for you that try to teach us new tricks on on how to use this latest social media. Hallelujah. Thank you for helping us. And we're catching on. Slow but sure. We're moving in the right direction, old snail. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay. Everyone said no man. I don't care what his name is. I don't care what his title is. I don't care if he can swallow a cow and bring the miracles you know, out of nothing. He still cannot. Other foundation can, but I said, no man, no man lay. Then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you tonight with the help of Jesus. True Pentecostals. Genuine, bona fide, God approved, God endorsed, God signed, beyond question, true Pentecostal. And I want to let you know where it started. All right? Now, may we see that? Because. We're not 5,000 strong. I can draw on the board so you can see it. But if we're 5,000 strong, I couldn't draw it for you to see it. You'd be too far away. So it's up to you to make yourself available to my little map. First, I want to give you an overview. Someone turn it off, please. Brother Mike, turn it off, please. An overview of Pentecost origin. How many believe Pentecost start in the book of Acts chapter 2? Let's see those hands. Acts chapter 2. See those hands? You've all flunked the test. It did not start there. See, I got you all. Just need to have your hand up there. 
pastor's wife knew better. Pentecost did not. Did you put your hands up to me? You, you, you were late putting your hand up? <laughs> well, she's talking to the gospel right now. You're on, you're on the right track. All right. You must have been around here long enough. But the rest are newcomers. You can tell they don't know. <laughs> we thought Pentecost start in the book of Acts. No, it did not start in the book of Acts. It didn't start with Peter or even the apostles. I'm going to prove to you that tonight it didn't start there. And by so doing, the reality of Pentecost is not a religion or a denomination. Where did Pentecost start? First of all, the word Pentecost is an English name for the Jewish feast called the Feast of Ingathering. It's a Greek word that says Pentecost, meaning 50. But it's an ingathering of the harvest. But Pentecost is. Now, access Pentecost had fully come. My job is to show you the origin of Pentecost, the propagating of it, and the corrupting of it, supposedly, and the rebirth of it, and the reinstallation of it. Now, Paul says, other foundation can no man lay. I believe there is an association with the word Pentateuch and Pentecost. Pentecost started with Moses and not with Peter. So anybody want to be the succession of the apostles can't start with Peter. The Pentecost didn't start with Peter. It started with Moses. And let me explain to you some terminology used in, in Acts that you should understand. When Pentecost was fully come, fully come mean it was expected. Mean it has arrived from somewhere. Let me shock you and jump ahead of my story here and tell you that Pentecost is one of the three festivals that God told Israel you are going to celebrate. Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacle. Surprise! The Feast of Passover had a date to it. 14th month of Abib. The Feast of Tabernacle had a date with it for October. But Pentecost does not have a date. And you Bible scholar, check me out. There is no date for Pentecost. Except it must be 50 days. And it must be on the morrow after the Sabbath. Which means seven times seven, forty-nine, and the morrow after the Sabbath, what we call Sunday. We call Saturday, in English term, a Sabbath day. And God set up in such a way that every time 
Pentecost would occur, it would always occur, always, every year, on a Sunday. Even though the dates were not given when Pentecost should come. Was it a mistake? No. We're going to learn that Pentecost cannot be defined without first identifying the day of the first fruit. Because that's when the counting will begin. So when the term fully come, it means all the waiting for the first fruit to arrive has arrived, then I can legitimately start counting. But I can't count before that. If the start is wrong, the ending is wrong. I've got to wait for the first fruit to come, and when the first fruit arrives, then I can start counting Pentecost. Hello. Now, here's a story. Go to your Bible. First Corinthians 10, 1 to 4. Very quickly look at it. Don't spend too much time at it until you go home. I'm going to talk to you what Paul just mentioned in that book right there. And I'm going back and forth between the new and the old, okay? But this is the overview I'm giving you, knowing that you have an understanding of the new. When Jesus was born, Galatians says, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God sent for His Son, made of a woman. If Pentecost is linked with the first fruit, and first fruit means resurrection, and since Christ had not yet come, nobody has ever been resurrected on their own. Only one man laid his life down and took it back up after three days. Hello? Only one man could do that. That's Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is the first fruit of them that slept, then we can count Pentecost, beginning from his resurrection. Is that right? Fifty days from the day he resurrected would give us Pentecost. Now I'm going to give you a quick overview here and then go into more detail. Are you with me? Pentecost is ready to count from the day of the first fruit. And Christ is the first fruit from the dead. You start counting from there. That means fifty days from the resurrection of Christ is the day of Pentecost. And you cannot say it's fully come if Christ is not here. Christ has got to be here to die and resurrected for us to say Pentecost has fully come. Pentecost has fully come if there is a fully come Lamb that is resurrected and the counting will be once and forever the count on which would formulate the foundation 
Are you with me? Of the concept of Pentecost. Let me take you there now, back to the story. Here is Israel in Egypt. Joseph took them down there. I can just tell you that. I mean, they went down to Egypt. They went there that God told Moses, I mean, told Abraham. They were there for so long that God said, That's enough. Let's get them out of there. Are you with me? God says, Let's get Israel out of Egypt. So what did he do? He called Moses and turned Moses into a savior. Moses says, I can't get them out. I need a name. I need a name to bring them out with. Because they don't ask me, What is his name? When I say, God sent me, I say, What's your name? Well, God, in talking to Jesus, said, well, first of all, I am that I am. Lord said, well, come on, that's not a name. What is your name? Just tell them, I am sent you. And they argued for a while. And to finally, God broke down and said, okay, I'm going to tell you what my name is. My name is that name which Abraham does not know. Abraham knows me by the name God Almighty. That's how we call that. But by the name Jehovah was I not known to Abraham. And that's the name I want you to take to Israel. Jehovah. Which some folks have to tell you that means Yahweh. We said Jehovah in English. There's no J in the Hebrew language. Okay, so come back. Jehovah sent you. And well, God won't believe. Well, show the miracles I'm going to show you. And when all the miracles are working, they'll, they'll know I sent you. And when he goes down there, God said, I'm going to bring you back and meet you right here where we met, right here on this mountain. On this mountain where we met, we're going to meet again. But this time, you're going to bring me back Israel right here. In other words, Pharaoh, even though he threatens you, will not kill you because I have foreordained that you will survive Pharaoh and be back right here. Not empty-handed, but with Israel. Right? We're all going to meet right here. So he went to, you know what happened when to Egypt. Let's not talk about the ten plagues. Let's talk about Moses and the people. Moses came with a name. Moses is their savior. And he brought them a name, a saving name. Not his own name. Jehovah. And he said, that name requires you to have a lamb. A lamb must be slain before he can leave Egypt. And the formula and the recipe for that lamb is given. And the blood of that lamb must be applied to every house that belongs to me. And when I see death angels come through, they can't touch you because of the lamb. He said, now, and that same night, you're going to leave this place at midnight. You're going to leave in a haste. I'm going to take you out of Egypt. Once the blood of the lamb is slain. But first, Take the lamb and keep him for four days. On three days, I want you to watch the lamb. Watch him, make sure he's clean, pure. Nothing wrong with those spot with him. Now, on the third day, you kill him. Are you with me? And for three days, just look at him and kill him on the fourth, which is the third day. Because the way the, the time system has worked. Kill that lamb and, and, and sprinkle the blood in the water. And then I will pass over you. Now God said, Moses, it's midnight, take them out of Egypt. Here's what they did. After the Savior's name was revealed, he showed up, and with a lamb, and with a blood, says, time to leave. I'm going to take you to the promised land. They must leave Egypt, right here, 
point one, and go to the promised land, point ten on my graph here. They must travel from point one to point ten. There are ten pivot points in this march. Are you with me? And God said, but they can't leave Egypt unless the lamb is slain and the blood is applied. And that's not enough because that's not salvation on its own. They've got to go beyond that. That was God's part. Their part now is to cooperate with the formula for Exodus. And now they must come through the Red Sea. And they must come through the cloud. There is no Ark of the Covenant. There is no tabernacle. There is no candlestick. There is no Ten Commandments. Hello? There is no veil. There is no ark. They're coming out by faith. Through grace. Obedience is all God asked. And so they came through and Moses described what took place. In the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says that they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. So number one, they had a name, a Savior's name, and they have a lamb and blood. And then the next step they had to make was to be baptized in the cloud, point two. And point three, that to be baptized in the sea. And Moses, God saved the people. He called that saved, salvation. So Israel was saved, not at Mount Sinai, but Israel was saved after the lamb was slain and the blood was applied and they were baptized in water and in the clouds. There's God giving us knowledge of salvation to come. A shadow of things to come. Not yet made known. So God says now you are covered by the blood of the Lamb. By the, by the baptism in the cloud. And which is the, and also a baptism in the sea. I'm going to tell you now. Let's jump ahead. Let's jump, let's jump ahead. Can you see the book of Acts in this? Can you see John the Baptist in this? How many can see him? Come to give Israel knowledge of salvation. Huh? By water baptism. And promise them baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many can see that? How many can see, amen, John the Baptist in this? Behold, the Lamb of God! I'm going to point to you the Lamb of God. I'm going to point to you the method of baptism in the cloud. I'm going to take and baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to baptize you with water. How many can see the picture? Hello? True Pentecostals must have a name. Must have a particular blood. Hello? And must have the blood applied. But they can't stop them when the Lamb is slain. The Lamb is slain alone is not salvation. You can't say the Lamb alone did it. Because the lamb standing right here represents a future cross. Hello? The cross alone don't save you. Jesus alone don't save you. There's something you got to do. 
after the Savior did his part, your part is to submit to the Red Sea baptism. Submit to the, be in the presence of the cloud. And you must come out on the other side. When you go through the Red, the Red Sea, what are you going to wash away? The taskmasters. Does that remind you of remission of sins? Arise and be baptized and wash away your... Does that remind you of that? Can you see the folks? And then they said, he said, now we're going to march from here, from, the, from that experience of being baptized in the cloud and in the sea. We're going to go march on to Mount Sinai because now I am a friend, Moses says, of the bride. I'm not the bridegroom. I am a friend of the... Can you hear John the Baptist in the background? I want to espouse you to a woman. I'm not the guy, but I'm the friend of the guy. How many can see that? Real Pentecostal. Church, would you believe? And they ate spiritual food all along this journey. Who came out? A mixed multitude. Jews and Gentiles. Together. Can you see the picture of the unfolding drama of Pentecost? Can you see that? If you take this church, we're looking back, but we're forward looking back. Hello? And see the, 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 the unfolding of God's act here. And then what we see next is when they marched, they finally come to where? Mount Sinai. Just like God told Moses, we're going to meet. Guess where? Right at the spot where you had a burning bush experience. Hello? Nobody has seen God but Moses. Is that right? And Moses given testimony of God to Israel, who have not seen him but yet love him. Believing on him who they have not seen. But Moses saw him. Hello? And now Moses comes to Mount Sinai and God says, Just a minute, Moses. Put a boundary here. And you come up and talk to me for a while. And by the way, Moses, get those people ready. Turn it back on for me, please, before you go. Turn it on for me, please. He said, look, get those people ready. I guess the what? The third day. Church, does that mean anything to you? After two days. And in the third day, what shall happen? We shall live in his sight. Does that mean anything to you? Hosea 6, 1 to 2. Does he mean anything to you, church? Think about it. The real Pentecostal being carved out here. Would you believe if I was to tell you it was actually 50 days journeying from Egypt to Mount Sinai? And by the time they spent the two days getting ready, and the third day when they meet God, it was actually on the 50th day, God! Hello? Came down on them. So what you have here is number one. What do you have here? Egypt. The sacrifice to the Lamb. Number two, they're baptized in the cloud. Number three, they're baptized in the sea. And they come to Mount Sinai after marching. Hello? And the Bible said they were waiting how many days? Three days. Two days preparing Point number four, they're waiting how long? Three days to talk to God. 
and they will prepare themselves, sanctify themselves. On the third day, God said, when you hear the trumpet sound, what are you supposed to do? Come on up. Does that remind you of anything, church? After three days, say after two days, we're going to what? Come on up to meet them where? In the clouds. Where was the cloud at Mount Sinai? Up on the mountain. So, we know, point number four, they wait two days. On the third day, the trumpet starts sounding. Da-da-da! Da-da-da! And it was quaking and the place was rumbling. It was an earth-shaking experience. I mean, the place was rocking. Moses said, I seen the shook. He quaked. The people were scared to death. God was rumbling. Because God came down from heaven. Now, church, remember this now. There is a descent of the presence of God. Point number five. The same one that prescribed the Lamb. Are you with me? Is the same one that came down on Mount Sinai. The invisible God came down in a cloud. Are you with me? And what happened? The place shook. And they heard the voice of God. And voices. But not their voice, His voice. And the Bible says, when He came to the place, burned fire and, and was melting and they were shaking. And they said, Moses, tell God to stop talking to us. This is way too much. We can't take it. Is that right? Did they say that? And God said, fine. So that's point number five. God's Spirit came down upon them. God's Spirit came down upon them. And they shook. And they shake. Did they talk in tongues? No. But they heard voices. It was the voices of heavenly voices. And God spoke to them ten marriage vows. Ten Commandments. And said, Today is the beginning of your life. This was the marriage between God and Israel. This is the first time God ever got married. How many days? Fifty days. On the fiftieth day, when God descended upon the mountain, it was to make Israel his bride. When you read Jeremiah and all those scriptures, God said, I married to Israel. He said, when did the marriage took place? Right here. And the marriage vow was the Ten Commandments. Tell Israel, he is the object of worship, how he should be worshipped, how his name should be respected, and that his name would be upon them. Are you with me? This is the first Pentecost. Think about it. Fifty mean Pentecost. New beginning. New life. Cancellation of all debt. And now there's a new relationship between Israel and God. And God gave them ten commandments. Broken down into three aspects. Words and deeds and thoughts. Amen. 
God told them how they're going to worship Him vertically, how they're going to work with each other horizontally, and how they should be themselves. God told them that because now this is the wife of God. So look at the church. One, number one, we see a Savior, a name, a lamb, and blood applied to them. Then number two, they were baptized in the cloud. Number three, they were baptized in the Red Sea. And then number four, they marched until they came to Mount Sinai. And they waited 50 days from the time they left Egypt. And on the 50th day, God descended from heaven and created the first Pentecostal gathering. Because Pentecost means 50 days since the Passover. Up to this time, God did not explain to Israel what's taking place. She just gone through it. And then God said, Now Israel, turn to me, let me church to Leviticus 23. Go there, please. In Leviticus 23, God gave Israel two things. He gave her the covenant law on written on stones and gave her the tabernacle plan. Hello? The law was to regulate the behavior of Israel. Ten Commandments. And the tabernacle was given for them to maintain relationship with God. Hello? You know, I know we teach sometimes the tabernacle plan was to give to save Israel. No, it was to maintain salvation. The whole idea of the Ten Commandments, the law, was to, was to identify sin. Are you with me? The tabernacle was identified sin. And the, the tabernacle was to remind Israel that if you're going to walk with me and live with me, you have to be a certain type of people. And you're going to be peculiar. And everything about that tabernacle was peculiar. Make Israel peculiar. Her diet, her dress, everything she does was different from all the nations around her. Seven heathen nations. Alright? Now folks, what do you notice here? If you glance down your Bible, if you've got Thompson Jenkins, you can see very quickly, you see all the festive days are there, the Sabbath day and all the festive days. And all their dates and times are given. Except two, God does not tell Israel when the Feast of First Fruit will be, except it's after the Passover. There's no date, because they can't tell when harvest is going to spring forth its first blaze. They don't know. They've got to be watching for it. But once that starts, you start counting down for Pentecost. You understand? And it says, then on, on the 50th day, 7th Sabbath, on the, on, the, on the day after the Sabbath, will be the 50th day, mean from Saturday to Sunday. So you got two Sabbaths in, in, in Pentecost. Hello? Folks, can you see that? Can you see that? Now, so Pentecost started right here. But it's not complete. It's only written for the learning. The learning was complete when the true Lamb came where? In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he said, Destroy me, and after three days I will rise. When he rise from the dead, that would make him the first fruit. Hello? 
He spent 40 days with them after the resurrection. Hello? Left them for 10 days. What's 40 plus 10? And then on the 50th day, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell. This time, He didn't come down on Mount Sinai. He came down on the upper room. If you can please, just bear with me. Take the picture, beloved, and take the world as Egypt. And take me taking you out of the world for Jesus Christ. And you want to be part of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, you need to look to the Lamb for blood. Without His blood and His name, you cannot be saved. But that don't save by itself. I'm going to tell you that I need to baptize you in water. You have to agree. I'm going to tell you, you need to be baptized in the cloud, which is the Holy Ghost. Hello? I'm going to tell you, that's not all there is. Now after you come through, there's a journey to make. I baptize you, I espouse you unto a husband. Who is that husband? Well, we're going to meet him. Hello? In the clouds. Is that right? You're going to go through a journey for a while, and then you're going to meet him. Hello? After two days, you're going to meet him. Two days since what? Since he came. Two thousand years. In the third day, you're going to be living with heaven. So I'm going to tell you, you cannot go to heaven if you're not a Pentecostal. You cannot be the bride of Christ if you're not a Pentecostal. You say, I'm an Anakin, I'm a Roman Catholic. No, you can't be, the, you can't be those things and be saved. Because that's another foundation. This is the foundation of Pentecostalism. The foundation of Pentecost is there has to be a Savior. There has to be a name. There has to be a lamb slain. There has to be a blood that's applied. Hello? And the Bible know that something else has got to happen. What has to happen? You've got to be baptized in the cloud and in the sea. And then all of that, then after that, is it all over? No! You're going to go on a journey. The Pentecostal journey going to take you to meet the one who gave you the Lamb. And when you meet Him, He's going to say, after two days, He's going to meet you. On the third day, you're going to live in my sight. You're going to live in the millennium with me on the third day. But by the way, until that happens, until we meet, you've got to keep my commandments. I'm not going to write my commandments in stone for you to read. I'm going to write on the tablets of your heart. Pentecostal? No, it's impossible to live for God without boundaries. Which the preacher must set. Pentecostal, no. You can't live for God without the commandments of God being adhered to. God wrote His law on the tablets of the Pentecostal heart. Why? To maintain relationship with who? With Him. And then God says, now, 
That's not enough. I'm going to give you a tabernacle. And day by day, until you get to the promised land, I'm going to tell you how you should worship me. Every day. Church, this tabernacle was carried by the children of Israel on their shoulder. Wherever they go, they carry it with them. How we got the message here? So this here is preparing us back again. Number one, Egypt. Number and in Egypt, you, you had a savior that brought you a name that gave you a lamb, and the lamb gave you the blood and was applied to your life. And after you apply the blood to your life, you must be number two, baptized in the cloud of the presence, and number three, in the water baptism. Then you must go on a march. And after two days, you're going to meet with God, who become the husband of the church. On the third day, the marriage will be complete. You'll live in His presence. Are you with me? Now, there's a Mount Sinai, the place where Pentecost actually become 50. At that time, look what happened. God's trying to teach you some lessons here. Number five, we see the Lamb of God came down on the Mount Sinai and gave them ten commandments and the tabernacle and said all the people that are going to serve me must observe all these things and they said we will remember I asked you will you take this man to be your yes I will will you take this woman I will I do I do the problem is they, they did not for long they said I would and by the time they were all over a few days later they were worshiping a golden calf which represent Egypt's and Baal worship. And what do you think? A crime of passion took place. God got men and murdered all of them. He killed 3,000 of them. Why did he do that? It was an act of passion. It was a jealousy that rose up in God that killed those people. Hello? 3,000 died right there. Now church, how many got the Holy Ghost on their Pentecost? 3,000. How many can see what I'm talking about here? I hope I'm not above your head. I hope you're following me here. I am looking back at the teacher telling me what I have, where it came from. It didn't start on the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost could not be real if Jesus had not come to us as the real Lamb. And if we had not had his real blood, and if he wasn't better than Moses, and if we didn't have his name, going through the Red Sea wouldn't matter. Baptism only become for remission of sins after Christ arose from the dead. And the Bible said, when Peter on the day of Pentecost stood up, look at the event that took place. Peter stood up on the 50th day since Christ came from the dead. You guys don't believe that? Can you guys see that? What did he just do? He just fulfilled all righteousness. He just brought into being 
God says it's fully come. Was it fully coming, Moses? No, it is coming. And every year they do it, it is coming. It is coming. But it can never be fully complete until somebody dies. Because don't forget, there is no date set on Pentecost. Look in your Bible. And the only one that set the date is the resurrection. And there have never been a resurrection until Jesus Christ came. He is the first fruit from the dead. And that's what Pentecost started counting from. Are you with me? So when Jesus Christ came and he died, how long did he live for? He was revealed to the world for three and a half years. Hello? And died. When they said there is no fault in him, he died as the Lamb of God. John said, he is the Lamb of God. Is that right? Who come to take away the sins of the world. Not to seize him. And after he died, he came from the dead. He came from the dead and said, now, receive you the Holy Ghost. Did they receive the Holy Ghost? No. Tearing Jerusalem until you be endued with power, earth-shaking experience from an eye. Now, what happened to the Pentecost, church? On the day of Pentecost, the same God that came down on Mount Sinai and shook that mountain. This time, he shook the building they were in and the people in that building and said the voice came from heaven, the voice came out of them. Clap in the Jesus. But they're not yet in the promised land. Because a whole bunch of them died. Is that right? Did they not die? They backslid. So everybody from Egypt to Mount Sinai, they died and didn't make the promised land. Why they didn't make it? First Corinthians 10 tells you why they didn't make it. They failed the test of the Ten Commandments and they failed to maintain the feast of what? Hello? The time that God gave them. They didn't live up to it. They, they disobeyed the law. And they wouldn't keep God's commandments. And, and God, in Psalm 70, what he did to them. And God raised up their children. And after Moses, the last of them that died was Moses. God raised up Joshua. And said, Joshua, you take these children into the promised land. This is 40 years later now. 40 years later. Or 38 years later, God talked to Moses before he died, and then Joshua took over. Now, folks, look what happened here. Joshua is at Gilgal. And God said, you can't cross Jordan without the knife. Take the knife out. Church, So what Pentecost is all about. Take the knife out, boy, and cut out the flesh of all those male child. Otherwise they can't cross Jordan. Hello? Because circumcision is the covenant relationship with God and Abraham. <coughs> when you come to church, from the town of Gilgal to the town of come to Jericho, I count 50 days. That means Joshua celebrated the Passover at Gilgal. Hello? And the feast 
of Pentecost in the promised land. I'm going to tell you, you cannot go to heaven if you're not a Pentecostal. Because even the children had to be baptized too. Now, look what happened, church. They celebrated the Passover. They had to do it. Or they couldn't cross Jordan. Are you with me? They can't cross Jordan without the lamb being slain. And God said, no, that's not enough. Cut your flesh off, God, because you, you brought the covenant that you have with me. Now, he said, now, when you're going to cross Jordan, folks, look at this picture here. This is awesome. So here it is right now. I'm going to back to the picture again. Number one, you're in Egypt. Number two, you baptize in the cloud. Number three, you baptize in the sea. Number four, you're waiting two, three days at Mount Sinai. Two days to meet God. The third day you met Him. When the trumpets sound, you caught up to meet God. And then he, he came down. At point five, He came down to meet you. And you both got married. You're now His wife. Now, you're, now Israel is a nation. A royal priesthood. A whole nation. By that marriage. Are you with me? God said, that's not all there is, sir. You're not in the promised land. you got some more work to do. And so God gave Israel the Ten Commandments. And so here is how you maintain your way to God, your walk with God, and your fellowship with God. And by the way, if you break those laws, you sin. And I don't want to destroy you, so I'll give you the tabernacle to maintain salvation. I gave you three offerings. Three for fellowship and two for sin. One called trespass offering and one called what? Sin offering. Now folks, look at this. And so God says, you, you use this. If you make a mistake, go to the tabernacle and fix it. Fix it there. Right? So they're carrying this now at Gilgal. They've got this thing with them. They're organized. You're with me? And Moses is dead, but, but Joshua's carrying on the same plan. He could not lay another foundation. You have to build on Moses' foundation. Are you with me? So when you say you're built upon the law of the prophets and the apostles and Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, you know what you're saying? This. You're saying what you're doing didn't start with the apostles. Didn't start with the apostles. Didn't start with the prophet. It started with Jesus himself, which is God. Hello? Now church, stay with me. So when he crossed Jericho, I mean, I mean, Jordan, God said, now, people, the priests, going to represent God. And they're going to stand right at point A. And you're going to stand back point B. And the priest with the ark is going to march into the water. When their feet touch the water, something is going to happen. Jordan is going to act like the Red Sea. They're about to get their baptism. But the difference is this time, instead of the cloud, which never left them, it was always there with them. Are you with me? They're going to have a visible representation of God this time. What is it? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant always represents the Holy Ghost. Read Hebrews 10. Tell you very plainly. In the Holy of Holies, God's presence was there, symbolic by the what? The Ark of God. What is in the Ark of God? The Ten Commandments. 
part of man and so on, right? So now, God said, now people, I want you watch and follow. And by the way, I want you to take 12 stones and put them down in the bottom of that water on dry land. And pick a brand new stone when you come up out of there. Are you with me? To put it on the other side and then pile it up. What God was saying, those stones represent, I call it lavender stones, by the way. You call it lavender stones. It meant in the resurrection, Jesus Christ went ahead of us through death. Are you with me? Two days before you did. And came out on the other side alive. So we're buried with him in what? Baptism. And just like he came out alive, you're going to come out alive. But when will that happen? After two days, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. And Joshua's name means Jesus. My point to you is this. You cannot get to the promised land without being Pentecostal. Because point five, the Lamb of God came down upon Mount Sinai. Alright? And then point six, God gave them the what? God gave them the what? The tabernacle. Point seven, they're at Gilgal. Right? Point eight, the priest is crossing. Point nine, 50 days. And then point ten, what happened? They enter the promised land. How many can see that? So when I look back at the picture, from Egypt to the promised land is a process. Pentecostal living for God is a process. When people will not come to church and go through new convert training, they're making a mistake. They are not going to make it in. But they, but they got the Holy Ghost. They were saved. Yes, but not once they've always saved. First Corinthians 10 tells you you can be lost. If you don't survive the Ten Commandments and the technical plan of maintaining a walk with God, you're not going to enter in. You just die like Israel. Where? <laughs> in the world. You just won't make it. They backslid and they lost out. Read Psalm 78. God became their enemy. Only those who maintain their walk. So, here is the Pentecostal foundation. When I look at this, I can... Remember how the apostles preached. They did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They didn't have Acts of the Apostles. They didn't have Romans, Galatians, etc. So they were preaching from this like I am doing. And while they're preaching from this like I'm doing, Luke is recording it. Matthew is recording it. Mark is recording it. Are you with me? And I'm doing exactly what they did before it was written down. And they're saying, you can't lay another foundation than that which is already laid. This is not Moses' idea. It's not Joshua's idea. But it's God's plan for getting to the promised land. So to get to the promised land, we've got to leave Egypt like they did. That means this world. After we submit to the Lamb, His name, His blood, His plan, and get baptized in water and in the spirit and then we got to have our Mount Sinai experience what the laws of God has given to us look they came in without the law 
but they maintained by the law. Understand that. They came in without the Ten Commandments, but when they got in, they, they're facing it. God said, here's what you live for me now. If you don't obey this, you can't come in. You break one, you got to the whole thing. If you're guilty, is what you do. Go see me right here. Now deal with it. Hello? And so, if you obey me, then we're going to go over here, and as you walk with me to cross in the promised land, you're going to cut out the flesh. Paul talks a lot about the flesh being cut out. So Pentecostalism is not something started in Jerusalem on that day, or started in Rome, but way back, way back when they left Egypt. Now, look at this, folks. I'm going to show you something here. Here's my plan. Can you see this? I may be over, over, overloading your, mem- your, your mind. You have to reposition yourself. This is a small board, and everybody got to see it. So you got to re- reposition yourself so you can all see it at the same time. If you spread out, I guess you don't want to see it. But I can't help you. All right. I'm doing the same thing all over again for you to, to understand it. Here's Egypt. From Egypt to Mount Sinai. They traveled 50 days. They carried the bones of Joseph. Right? That in the suffering of the message. Hello? Hello? The living will not go and live behind the dead. I can see right here, First Thessalonians chapter 4. We shall have and remain, shall be called to meet, what? The dead in the air. They both crossed drawn together. They both went through the system together. The bones of Moses and the living people. It was the living and the dead that went to the promised land. Hello? Now, here we are. Israel is married to God and Mount Sinai became a nation, a bride, and a covenant of people. When they crossed Jordan, they celebrated. If you read my map this way, 50 days, Right? There's a revelation of the name. What's his name? Who's the lamb slain? In whose name are we baptized in? Whose spirit are we baptized in? Who are going to meet after two days? Come on now. Who's the Ten Commandments? Jesus Christ is the Word. <laughs> Written upon, I write my laws in your heart. and Put my spirit in you. Is that right? Oh, come on, church. Don't look dead like that. Come on, come alive. This is awesome stuff. This is real stuff. And so we are in people, our nation, the royal nation, the bride of Christ, the coming of the people. And then when they cross Jordan, now none of these guys on their own could complete the picture. So God used Moses. Then he put Moses aside and raised up Joshua. Joshua, another aspect of Jesus, which means the captain of the Host. Who's the captain of our faith? Jesus. Is that right? He's the captain of our salvation. What do they call Joshua? Captain. Right? But when the men met him with the sword drawn, he said, You're not a captain. I am the captain. Take off thy shoe. Because the place where you stand is what? Holy ground. Who was that person? Jesus Christ. Now, then we see at Gilgal, 
the knife came out and they cut off. Did Paul talk about this knife in Colossians? Hello? Hello? And the Passover and the first fruit and Pentecost. Remember that now the Passover the date, but the first fruit have no date. That means nobody knew when Christ was going to come. And nobody knew when he was going to die until he revealed it. And once he revealed it, Pentecost would be fully come because the time and the fullness of Christ had come. Christ is revealed in flesh. And then the real Pentecost can be fulfilled. The real Passover can be fulfilled because Christ is our real Passover. Christ is our real Pentecost. Right? Christ is our real tabernacle. It's all about Him. Destroy this and in three days I'll raise it up. <laughs> is that right? Now, why is it says temple? Because He knows Solomon dedicated His temple on the day of Pentecost. When He did that, what happened? A hundred and twenty priests dressed in full white Amen. Blowing trumpets and the glory of God came down and filled that temple exactly on the day of Pentecost. Does that tell you the thing? Come on, church. Pick up the fragments, man. Come on, get the jigsaw together and put them all together, dovetail together. Here a little, there a little, line up and line, precept up and precept. God said, put it all together and you'll see. Now, church, this is hidden from the wise and the prudent. So when we take the position we take to live for God, and I think we're crazy, we're legalists. We're not legalists. We understand the foundation laid. And we can't change it. Now look at this. When John the Baptist and Jesus Christ met, where did they meet? Where? Not the Red Sea. They met at Jordan because it's a picture he wants to create. John is a priest. But so is Jesus. Jesus is a priest after the Melchizedek what? Order. And John is a priest after the Levitical priesthood. He's the last of the Old Testament what? Priest. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. And John is the last one alive that saw what he prophesied about. All of the prophets decided wanted to see and couldn't see it, but John himself saw it. And he was going to talk about it. And so, John at Jordan handed over the rain to Jesus, and that represented the end of the Old Testament system. And it says, we must decrease and Christ what? Increase. Look what's happening now. At Jordan, we know that Joshua crossed Jordan, Elijah laid down a double portion of his spirit, the leper name was 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 uh, healed there, and now we find baptism of Jesus happening there. What was John doing? Giving us knowledge of salvation. John was not baptizing them for remission of sins. Why? Because Christ was not yet glorified. But it was to give us knowledge of salvation. In other words, you must be baptized in water. And the one I'm baptizing is the one going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And you can understand that if you go back to up here. 
Right? Go back to Egypt and see what's happening. It's a repeat. If you can say it and see it, say amen. I want to hear you say something. Come on, folks. How many understand this? I'm seeing very clearly. I'm talking about the real genuine Pentecostal. Genuine Pentecostal. Now, Jesus, amen, is going to do to us what Elijah did to Elisha. When Elijah went up, his mantle fell down. And greater works was given to Elisha. When Jesus goes up in the heavens, the Holy Ghost will what? Descend upon us, and we shall do what? Greater works. The Holy Spirit. Now, so we see Pentecost, a term fully come. It simply means in the fullness of time, Messiah Jesus is here. And you can't have a fully Pentecost until you have a real genuine lamb slain. And all the types and shadows now must cease. And finally, we fully, completely have the true lamb. Therefore, whatever followed has fully arrived. <laughs> now, in the meantime... Judaism is still having their feast over there. Jesus ignored it. It's in the upper room, church. And you can see right here. Jesus spent 40 days. Church, think about it now. Think to him, take it in mind. 40 days he spent with them, rebuking them about their unbelief. Left them for 10 days. 500 brethren shrunk down to 120. Why 120? Why 10 days? Why 40 days? Why? A ruling government for for the Jewish system is 120. It takes 10 men to form a synagogue. 10 mean completion. 40 mean testing. Now, all this here is the foundation that was laid and being built upon. The apostles are building upon the prophets. They can only teach the prophets. The apostles got nothing new. They're explaining what was what? Contained. Now, look what's happening in the church. On the 15th day, since what? Since Christ rose from the dead. Instead of earthquakes, people quake. Instead of trumpets, Jesus Christ came. He breathed in them. John 20. Meaning what? I am the same guy that breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. No, I'm the same person that breathed into you, saints of God, you Pentecostal, and you become a quickening spirit. That's why you quicken shake when you do that. It's not that you're shivering from being cold. No, it's the Holy Spirit. Or the, if fashion said the Holy Ghost, rather. Because if it's not the Holy Ghost, then you're saying Christ didn't die. Church, am I making sense? Am I making sense? Can I go on? Look at this man. And so now, Christ, the first fruit 
from the dead. So Pentecost fully come, and we know how many got saved. 3,000 souls got saved. Here's what happened. In Leviticus 23, go there very quick. All the festive seasons of Israel, except this one only, does not require you to take leaven out of the bread. Leaven, leaven the whole lump, and blow it up. And leaven is fermentation, symbolic of sin. Why is it a person come to this altar and get the Holy Ghost, even when we know they're living wrong? Remember the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to lead and guide into all truth. God's Spirit says, I won't strive with man, but the Holy Ghost does. Because the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of grace. And the Holy Ghost takes the place of a high priest and make inter what? Session for us. He said the Holy Ghost purchased us with his own blood. How could that be? Except that person is who? Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't have what? Blood. But for it to have blood, it had to be what? Jesus Christ. Now, folks, am I making sense? When you look at that now, church, I'm coming to some real, some real tough stuff here now. The seventh epistles in your Bible, after Acts, are churches that Paul started in Asia. Paul started those churches. And then... The foundation is already laid. They're building on it. Are you with me? The types are now become the real stuff. The image is now there. The person and the things are there. What happened? Paul is fighting Judaism. Is that true? Trying to overthrow the church. At the same time, Rome is trying to destroy the church. Pagans are challenging the church. And the question is, can the Pentecostal church survive? Well, John, in turn off, please, somebody. Uh, John, in the book of Revelation, go there, please. Would you please go over there, please? The first three chapters of the book of Revelation represents, represents, you hear me now? Seven Pentecostal churches found in the book of Acts or the epistles. They're not other religion. They're Pentecostal churches. Ephesus. Tyra, Tyra. They would see it. Three of the other seven. What about the rest? They came from there. Now we know, if you read Matthew 13, you'll read about the fourth thing that came against the church. Four perils that come against us, which we're seeing showing up in the day of the apostles, the tares, the womb with the leaven. Are you with me? The dirty birds coming in. They all were infesting the apostles. I'm going to close pretty soon because I don't want to bore you to death. Now, <laughs> what happened here? The last apostle is John. You were in Rome with us. 
You're in Greece with us. You were there. You know what happened to him. They banished him to Patmos because of what he was teaching and preaching. Did you know it was on the day of Pentecost that he had the revelation? Can I prove it to you? It was on the Lord's day. What's the Lord's day mean? Sunday. Christ arose from the dead on a Sunday. Is that right? Pentecost come on a Sunday always in the Bible. The other feast days come on different days. But God fixed us one. It's called the Lord's Day. So we don't have Passover. We have Lord's Supper. Hello? Now, folks, look what happened. So, Revelation is the, is the closure epistle of the book of Acts. Telling you, the church, how this thing is going to end up. How it's going to end. Telling you that. Which, in Matthew, look in John, you wonder. In the epistles, you wonder. Why are we being slapped around this way? But Revelation is not turning the other cheek. It's kicking butts and cheeks. Hello? The church fighting on horses. Amen. And showing her, her, her strength and her power through Jesus Christ. Now, after the church age is gone, I'm going to tell you right now, church, anybody that give you any history, including myself, after the year 100 A.D. or 96 A.D., after Revelation, please take it with a grain of salt. You can prove it. You don't know how God feels about it. But one thing you do know, the history that God gave stops at his writing. And all the rest are man-made. Now, folks, before we close today, the seven churches is from 33 A.D. to 96 A.D. Alright? The foundation is already laid. There's no other church but that church. But I showed you a break in time after the apostles died while men slept in the 300, uh, up to 300, from uh, 100 to 300, the church was going through a time of uh, infiltration where the tares were coming in. Are you with me? Under the auspices of Rome. And I won't go too deep into that tonight, but right here, in 300 A.D., 325 A.D., the harlot got right in the church. The harlot is who? Who's the world famous harlot? I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. And she's the woman who brought the leaven in the, in the, in the group. She's the woman with the cup and giving all these stuff to people to drink and, and messed up the meal with, with the leaven. She's the one who brought the birds in. Hello? And caused these situations in the world. And so, she brought in creeds, telling you how to be saved, because the church and the state came together. The word Catholic means actually universal. Rome stole that term and put our name to it. and called it Roman Catholic and church. Are you with me? But the word Catholic is a, a word that means universal. Church is a term that Jesus used. Rome is the country, but when Constantine unite church and state together, 
Are you with me? Now, the state would enforce whatever the Rome wants, religious Rome, and vice versa. So to speak a word against the church of Rome is to speak against Rome. I understand that. And their Caesar would see you as an enemy. And so they raised up what's called apologists. And these apologists spoke for the church even though they were not of the church. Where do you think God's people were in all this time? Hiding, running for their lives. Because they're preaching the apostolic doctrine. But Rome did not want them. And we see the seven parables of Jesus Christ in Matthew 13 coming into being. Now, these two legs that you see right here, the west and the east, in 1050 A.D., write it down, 1050 A.D., the Greeks, Orthodox, and the Roman and the west separated. In the east, you have the Middle East, Africa, and Asia on the Greek Orthodoxy. In the west, you have the Vatican with Shalmanese and all that system. Now, they, her daughters came into existence in 1517 A.D. on October, that man called Constantine. Not Constantine, but uh, Martin Luther brought in some teachings that contradict Roman Catholicism. And when he came into being church, he produced a group Call Protestant. Would you all stand? Protestant is a name given to the German prince who defended Martin Luther. And they said, look, you cannot arrest him for what he stands for. So they nicknamed him Protestant. But they had five things that Luther brought into being with his daughters. Number one, it's called the five solaces. Five, but the solaces. The word solace means alone. All the churches in town tonight, they're either from the Anglican church, the Lutheran church, alone. They're from the Reformed church, or other church, the, the Protestant group, Roman Catholic church. So they, they're all out there, and we, we are named like Wesley. I've heard it before, Calvin. And these names, they're not church father. But these guys, look what they give to us, church. They give to you denominalism that we have today. These denominalism that you have today is what you have in the city. Baptist, Trinity Pentecostal. But even though they reformed Catholicism, they did not change the doctrine of the Trinity. They maintained it. They just did not believe that Rome was infallible. The scripture alone was. They don't believe the Pope alone that said Jesus is. But here's the problem. They teach a pseudo Jesus, not the same Jesus you know. Paul said they come preach another Jesus. We can't go tonight, but we go later on. Now, from that group came other splinter groups today. They're everywhere, and the most people on the pews don't even know this. I want to prove to you later on that Pentecostal today, this church, did not come from Rome, did not come from the Reformation, 
did not come from Topeka's Kansas or Azusa Street. And you don't know who these people are, but I'll tell you later on. But we didn't come from those people. We went right back to the book of Acts. And we have the tradition of the book of Acts. The method that they showed us, which they got from way back in Egypt. Hello? The name, the lamb, the blood, huh? holiness, righteousness, without which no man can see God. So, next we're going to continue on this part here. Explain to you what happened when these guys came into being. But right, right now, Pentecost is not a religion. Pentecost is God's plan for salvation. You are in the truth. After Revelation, don't believe any other religious information you hear. You don't know anything about it. And by the way, your Bible and the King James Version Bible stick to it. Nobody can use it and prove you wrong. But if you bring me another Bible, I can prove you wrong with them with those Bibles because they've got thousands of errors in them and misprints and omissions and commissions in there that cause Jesus to look like less than what he is. Are there any questions on this side? Don't tell me I'm boring guys to death. Any question? Seventh Sabbath. God wants Israel to come. Look at 23. Go there. Look at 23. There are about seven, three major feasts in there, apart from the normal Sabbath. In 23rd chapter, the first thing God told them is the normal Sabbath. Seven days, so they worship it. But then God gave them a feast of Passover. So when they should do that. And then he gave them the feast of wave offering, unleavened bread. Can you see that? Verse. You know, my Bible is walking through it. Okay, folks, get your Bible. I'm going to walk through it. Or is it on the screen? Okay. Go to verse on the screen, please. Good question. Leviticus 23. The question is, how do you get the seventh Sabbath? The Bible says here on Leviticus 23, for Pentecost, in verse 15, and it shall count unto you the morrow, the, the morrow after the Sabbath. Which is what? Sunday? Right? For the day that you brought the sheaves of the wave offering seven Sabbaths shall be complete. It's a time frame. That means the, the, the Passover is in the month of April and the, and the Pentecost will be in June. Each week. Seven weeks. Seven weeks gone by. I understand that. Seven weeks. And then, and then it says, He shall have brought out your habitation a new, a new loaf and shall count one day after the seventh Sabbath Give you 50. 7 times 7 is 49, plus one day is what? 50. And you go right back to here. Hello? Anybody else? Someday we'll study those feast days. We have done some before in our tape system. They should be around somewhere, either in DVD or tape ministry. We'll talk about all those things. 
are ready, all the festival of, of Israel. But these are important, guys. These feasts fully come when Jesus came. I'll show you something here. In, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, very quick, let's go there. I'll show you. it make mention of it. You see, the apostles did not have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They did not have uh, Corinthians and Ephesians. Those are scriptures written after Pentecost. Trying to keep the church in harmony with God. They were straying. Alright? In chapter 5, there's a problem in the church. An immoral situation. Paul said in verse 5, take the knife to that guy. Throw to Satan. That said, destroy his flesh. So when God talked about your flesh, what is he talking about? Your natural skin? No. The works of the flesh is in Galatians, right? Cut them off. He says, cut off this. Cut off that. Right? So he says, at, at Gilgal, cut these things off. Otherwise, you can't cross over. All right? He says, your glory is not good. Verse 6. Know ye not the little leaven, leaven the whole lump? See that? Leaven is sin. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that there may be a new lump, for, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. See that? Christ our what? Passover. And talk about in verse 8, the unleavened bread of sincerity. So there are three festivals. I don't have more space left. But three festivals. You got, you got the Passover, Passover, right? And then you got uh, Pentecost, and you got Tabernacle. And these have subsections to them. Are you with me? So, the Passover, God specified the date and the time when you do it. God specified the date and time when you do this, but not this one. Why? 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 Why so? Because this is based on the first, what? Fruit that comes from the ground. You can't tell what it's going to be. New moon. You can't tell when the new moon is going to come up. That's why I said watch and pray. Because you don't know what day it comes. And the trumpet will sound when, the, when they see the new moon. Go ahead. Yes. The first fruit of the resurrection, a corn of wheat fall on the ground and what? Dies. He's calling himself a, a corn grain. It falls in the ground and what? Die. Now, it, it doesn't come in three days, right? But it's a prophetic happening. I understand that. It's a prophetic act. So, God is using symbolism to teach us. It went down in weakness and came up with what? Power. The corn grain went down alone and came back with a whole bunch more with it. <laughs> Resurrection. <coughs> so he's using all those. See, God used nature because men can't change nature. <coughs> doctrine. So they can change all they want to, but they can't change the harvest time and the seasons. God put it in his power so they can't touch it. But they can change wording. Like they're doing right now. I said, well, this don't mean that. But you can't tell gravity, not gravity. <laughs> Right? Any more questions on this side? This year is very important, folks. This is the foundation laid. Peter said, baptism is not necessary. Nonsense. 
The Holy Ghost, not necessary. Nonsense. Jesus did it all. Nonsense. If Vince came in Egypt and said, well, the blood is slain. I mean, the lamb is slain. The blood is offered up. And I don't need to leave. What would happen to them? <laughs> huh? They'll die in Egypt. <laughs> they had to come through the Red Sea. And Paul called it our salvation. Read 1 Corinthians 10. You get a quick synopsis of what I just said a while ago. Everybody on this side. Apart from, can I go home? Church, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, this is awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let me tell you, I meet people with false doctrines, left, right, and center, inside, outside, even among our own men. They can't mess me up. Well, they never will do it, because I know what this book says. And I'm, not, I'm not caught by their education, their intellectualism. The foundation is already laid. And they cannot change it. Anybody on this side? You say, Pastor, I didn't know what you said. Well, I'll give you a chance. Don't blame me later on. Anybody on this side? Go ahead, sis. Yes. Well, they're associated. You see, the first fruit is the death. And God used the first fruit, the resurrection. The lamb is dead. It can't come up to life. So they use the lamb to represent the death and the corn grain to represent the resurrection. Because when you plant a seed, it must die. But it comes back to life. No type is complete. Okay, example, a scapegoat. A scapegoat is let out into the wilderness. We'll lay our hands on him and God put him on the wilderness and he goes and die. But that's not good enough. What about coming back and bring back salvation to us? Jesus' resurrection is what saved us, not his death. If he didn't raise from the dead, we wouldn't have had salvation. So the way he, he prefigures that is he used two birds, two birds, okay, in the cleansing of a leper, which is like sin. And he killed one bird by piercing his wings, right? And wring his you know, head off and his blood sprinkling in the water, right? Running water. And take the living bird and do what? Dip the living bird in that bloody water and do this. Throw it in the sky. What is that symbolic of? What is that symbolic of, folks? Why would you throw a bloody bird in the sky? A dove. Why would you do that? Jesus went up into heaven. How? How, folks? When he came from the dead, why did he go from the Hello. He used two births to represent one act. Christ dying, pierced, blood shed. He said blood and water came from him. And the one go up in the sky, what did he go up with? Dipped in blood and water. Who's that person? Who's that person? Jesus. Now, no one person can act out the whole thing. Just like Moses alone couldn't act out the whole thing. We need Joshua, we need David. Right? We need all these different characters to act out Jesus' part. But when he comes, it's all in him. You don't need no help. <laughs> he's the temple. He's the rock. He's everything. That's why Trent is wrong. And folks, I said very respectfully, 
Do not use the term oneness. You're not oneness, and I'll prove it to you later on why you're not oneness. Oneness people believe the truth, but have accepted a name that's not right. And that's a name given to us. And we accepted it. Now, even the name Christians, that's a name given to us. But it's not a name from God. Christian in the days of Paul was a dirty word. It was like being called a cult, a reprobate. And Paul and Peter says, Hey, if they call you a Christian, don't be ashamed. Don't worry about it. Why would he say that? Because it was shame to be called a Christian. And, and, and the king said, You almost persuade me to be a what? And one guy said, No, he's mad. Call him a sect. Do we call him a cult? The world don't know who we are. They'll never know us because they don't know Jesus. So, uh, I'll answer your question there. Anybody else? Answer your question. What? What? What did I say? What did you ask me? Ask me again. Yes. It's associated. You see, Pentecost is linked with the Passover, but the Passover has sub-elements in it. Right? The Passover is associated with the Feast of First Fruit. It tells you right there. The way of offering. Right? So... It's 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 a it's a package. So when the pastor contain all that, I understand that. So there are only three feasts, only three major feasts: Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacle. <coughs> tabernacle have two parts to it. Is that right? Is that right? The atonement, atonement. And when it got started, God put a date on them. You can't find a date for Pentecost. Look in the Bible. There's no date there. But the others tell you when to do it. On the 14th day and the 15th day you do this, right? And you can't change that. Right? But when do you do Pentecost? And I believe also that's why we can have Pentecost any day, any time. <laughs> you want God to watch and pray for you know the day or the hour when Jesus comes? Here's why he said that. Jewish year starts by the new moon. If the new moon don't show up, the year don't start. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? So they're always watching. So there's somebody watching 24-7, watching for it to show up. He has a trumpet, and it is his job, when it shows up, to blow. Because it's the beginning of the year. For the Israelites. And God is saying, the beginning of your redemption, He said, draweth nigh. But what is it going to be? You don't know. It's on the level of the new moon. You said, watch and pray. Watch going to be closed. I mean, open it and look around. What's going on? He says, draw it near. But you could miss it if you're not looking. At some point, you get tired of looking. You're going to miss it. 
He came the first time and they didn't know. Two years later they knew it. They missed it. They had to sit looking for him. He's right in there missing him. Don't know him. Thirty years he lived and they didn't know him. And all the time he's right here. Right? He's even in the temple and they don't know him. But the devils always knew him. They said, we know who you are. He said, shut up. <laughs> and they knew who he was, but they, people didn't know. And the same thing in the church. People on your job don't know who you are. And sometimes you freaks, you folks are embarrassed to tell them because you're a Christian, right? Because Christianity is a dirty word for a lot of people. Like it was back then. But if they knew who you were, they'd grab onto you. But demonic people know who you are. Because when they come in your presence, they can feel something different. I was on the plane. One guy sat beside me. He tracked me down to the airport, and, and we sat in the same seat. It's the honest truth. And I was a new convert, so I didn't know how to handle him. <laughs> but we sat together in the same seat. And he's like that. Three minutes, three minutes. And he couldn't hold any longer. He said, finally called me. I said, okay. He says, I knew I was going to meet you here. I said, you knew? How do you know that? He said, well, that's new. I was told. So you, were, you were? He said, yeah. He said, you got, you got a different spirit. I said, what do you say? is the spirit. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. I said, what's that? We started talking. This guy is a Ouija board guy. I put his hand on the table and they lift up and do all those stuff. And he's a very wealthy man. In those days, we were working out of Edmonton there. We were flying from my company. And we sat by each other. And he drove me right to my workplace. He did talking about what he was doing and how it can be scary. And I tell him about Jesus, what I can do with my Holy Ghost. And we were exchanging. But he knew who we were. People would pick you out. Say, you, you, you're different. The Spirit speak up. They know that. And you can sense Holy Ghost. Power people to their real and their genuine and their false. God put in you. But church, we're going to go through this other part here. And I'm going to suck a whole bunch of you. You're going to be shocked. Don't try and preempt me. Please don't do that. Because you got the message. But, oh, church, I'm telling you, folks, you, you don't know how blessed you are, to, who you are. You're wonderful people. And I was thinking, folks, just tonight I was in praying. I think about Calgary, how the place is washed away. Our city could have been washed away if it was for this church. That water could have pushed that road we drove down in this church out of existence. And we couldn't have church for days, for months. And God knew that. I believe He intervened. Let's thank Him right now.